Good morning, investors. Let's get to the trading action. Of course, today we got some recent comments. Yesterday, Jerome Powell cautioned about some economic data coming in stronger than expected. Could 50 basis points truly be on the table? We'll get into it. And of course, we've been talking about it. Would Warren go buying again? And yes, we have news. Here he goes, getting into Oxy again. Now 22.2%. We'll talk all about Campbell Soup earnings, CrowdStrike, Stitch Fix, Casey General Stores, Maxen, and who has some Logitech products? They got an investor day today, and it's not looking good right now in Logitech underneath the hood. We'll take a look, of course, at the market. The two-year treasury over 5%. And there's some natural gas news that seems to be shaking everything up. Let's get right to the action. You guys know where you're at. Pre-market prep. Hit the thumbs up. It's time to rise and shine, traders. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, traders, I'm going to first start with just a little talk here. We'll get Joel on in just a second here, but I did want to talk about the two-year note. As you guys can see, the two-year note, this is the note coming down. Yields go against this, right? We keep seeing them hit over. Now, two-year treasury over 5%. This is definitely going to be affecting the markets. We'll see what happens there. We'll go through the rundown in just a second here. And of course, let's get to some of the Jerome Powell comments. Dennis will be also joining in just a second, team. Just give us a, a few seconds to get started today. There's Dennis. Let's yeah, talk a little bit about Jerome Powell and the comments yesterday. I'll run through some of these quotes and then we can talk about it. So he cautioned, of course, that the latest economic data has come in stronger than expected, which suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be higher than previously anticipated. If the totality of the data were to indicate that faster tightening is warranted, we would be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. That definitely shaking things up here. And of course, if you look at the CME group data, now we are actually starting to trend closer towards, of course, the 50 basis points. Then we were talking about 25 basis points in February. I have a, a graph here and a chart to kind of show you that so you guys can see it here on the bottom. You guys can see on the bottom right, you can see 9.2% on the 8th of February. And now that's gone as high as what 72 percent 72.7 so now only 27.3 percent chance of a 25 basis point hike and that's definitely going to shake up the market the market was i didn't i didn't hear a single economist tell me about 50 basis points and i talked to plenty of them trust me some of the smartest ones none of them told me 50 basis points coming up so what do we do now dennis I mean, this market is repricing in. And again, I, I, like I said, I was actually on the closing print yesterday with Joel, and I was just saying on there, I watched a lot of that Powell presser 
they're kind of you get bored after a while. But I watched it was for horrible good to watch. Minutes, but and he came off <laughs> way more hawkish than this market would have liked. And the only time he mentioned disinflation was in a hawkish tone. So we know he jumped the gun by talking about disinflation three weeks ago, gave the market mixed messages, um, obviously thinking that, hey, they're getting towards being done here. They're kind of winning here. So and now we see the exact opposite where they're talking about going significantly higher if they have to. So this is the issue, is that this market wants a pivot. This market wants rates to stop going higher. And the Fed chairman did nothing yesterday to, to get that going. He, he basically said the exact opposite, that they're going to continue to go higher until they beat inflation. I've argued for a while here that it is going to be very, very difficult to beat inflation. This isn't something that's going to go back down to 2% magically next year. People are now accepting of inflation. You have a YOLO mentality where people just spend. We've seen how the bankers are fighting the Fed by by bringing out and extending the amortizations on mortgages, the car loans, extending the amortizations there. Actually, Steve Leisman was talking about it on CNBC yesterday that you know they're extending the car loans. You know, people aren't getting five-year amortizations on their cars. They're getting seven, eight, ten now because that keeps the payments low despite higher rates. So you have bankers, local bankers, figuring out how to get away, how to get around the Fed, and that is kicking the can down the road. But that does nothing to help inflation. Powell suggested their only tool to fight inflation is interest rates. Well, if the bankers are figuring out a way around that, it's going to be a very long battle, and that's not good for stocks. Good morning, guys. Uh, sorry, uh, I had a little um, little cleanup uh, to do upstairs. Uh, oh, what happened? Perry, Perry, uh, Perry, Perry got the it. stomach flu? I uh, thought you were yeah. cleaning up Jerome's well, here's mess. The thing. I'm sure you guys don't want to hear this, but I heard Lisa like yelled, oh, Perry. And so I went upstairs and I saw a little package and she was outside. And then I came back upstairs to get my coffee, and it was still there. She missed like a big pile in the foyer. So I stepped on it. And no, I didn't step on oh. it, but I, I, I had to clear it up. But uh, just going to this commodity talk here, or you know, the inflation talk. You know, crude's kind of hanging in there. Natty, you know, coming down. Natty gas, but you know, it's a few of these commodities in the food, but it's the wages. You know, the wages aren't coming down. It, it's sticky inflation, and, you know, it's it's concerning. The other thing, and I, I'm sure Mitch did the rundown, man, I just don't like the way the S&Ps, now, of course, this, this rally, it's the jury's still out. But if we missed a February high by 100 handles, we put in a lower high by 110, 120 handles, that's a really bad thing. You thought maybe we could mosey back up to 4,200 on that rally, get a little bit consolidation. Yeah. Now we're right back to where we started from last Thursday. And now we're closer to the 39 and a quarter low, that crazy low that we had. So mm -hmm. one thing that, that's uh, concerning about, you know, to me and also the half a point uh, hike is, you know, looking like that's on the table. Mitch, did you show the Fed tool yet? Uh, yes, I did show the Fed tool with the percentages showing there for the 50 basis points. Now we'll just have to wait and see, right? Is the market going to price in that 50 basis points? That's one thing that I would be thinking about. Or well, I think is it was it trying just... to do it yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And that definitely. was what the sell-off was all about. The yeah. market's saying, crap, we're going 50. 
We're going that's 50. what the sell-off was yeah. about yesterday. The market doesn't look ahead. It takes everything at face value. Oh, he says disinflation. Here comes the pivot. Oh, no, he's talking hawkish. Here comes 50. I mean, this market does not look ahead more than six minutes. So forget about looking ahead six months. It doesn't look ahead six minutes. It takes the information that it currently has and processes it. This is how it works. So maybe certain markets price ahead six months, but this market has no idea. Like I said, this is the most difficult market to call. You know, we've been talking about this for the last few months. The most difficult market to call that I've ever seen in my 23-year professional trading career. You know, you, you can call it short term the next minute. That's why day trading is very good right now. But to call this market where we're going to be six months from now, nobody knows. I yeah. tend to think we're going to be potentially in the same spot or potentially lower. I don't see a lot of cases for us to rip higher, which is why I still hold a lot of cash. And everybody keeps, you know, concerned that I have a hold too much cash. But, you know, I just think that there's just not a lot of cases for this market to rip higher because I don't think a pivot's coming anytime soon. I don't think they're beating inflation anytime soon. And I think that, you know, where we're valued is a little bit too high. So I lean a little bit bearish. Joel's call, the high of the year was in. Might be the call of the year because he said it like right at the like the 412, 413 area. When he said mm-hmm. it, we were going straight up. It was a bold call and it's right so far. I think that's probably correct. I think he might have seen the high for the year. I don't, I don't see a lot there. of reasons yeah. for us to just blast off to new all-time highs. And I don't see a lot of reasons to go buy stocks like Apple, like the Goldman Sachs upgrade. I think they top-ticked it. I think that Goldman Sachs analyst top-ticked Apple yesterday. Um, with the, Or was it two days ago? With the 155 call. Because when the stock was at 155 and they put the 199 call on it. I don't see the catalyst. The thing's trades 25 times earnings. You think earnings are growing? I just think, like, first of all, you're you're above a market multiple, significantly above, you know, where market multiples trade around 19, which is too high in my opinion, too. And then they're going to go upgrade Apple. Where is that coming from? So I didn't even read it. I think it's nonsense. I think it's just analysts chasing price and want to be bold and make a call. I think they're well, going to be dead wrong. I think they might be technical analysts, Dennis, because at least technically wise, I would say Apple's the strongest of the big boys. There's a portion that are technicals, but I will tell you, Mitch, and I will tell you, the majority of analysts out there aren't aren't analyzing the fundamentals. But most of them are fundamental. They say they don't look at it. Most of them are fundamental. Sure, they all look at charts. (laughs) They all chase price, right? I mean, Michael Pactor was on this show, but I mean, let's look overall still on Apple, so you can say, yeah, it's got good relative strength, and I agree, Mitch. This has had fantastic relative strength. But at a certain point in time, fundamentals do matter. And at a certain 100%. point in time, I just don't see. I never saw anything from their guidance that was like, oh, rah, rah, new yeah. all-time highs coming. So I may be wrong. But, and, and again, nobody has a crystal ball. But I just think when the, you're, you're literally fighting the Fed with that 199 call. And I just don't think the Fed's pivoting anytime soon. If we get inflation, all of a sudden just starts to vanish, you got to get long stocks. But do you see it out there? I mean, do you see, you know, the used car prices just getting jacked right now? One, because new cars are so bloody expensive. But two, used cars, are just, prices are just going through the roof. I just don't see disinflation on Main Street. And that has to translate to Wall Street. I got I got a good story for you. So uh, um, after uh, my swim on Sunday, uh, Lisa had uh, something to do with some friends. And so I decided to pick up breakfast. At the you know local breakfast place, I usually cook up a big breakfast. So I got my normal, you know, what I ordered this uh, California omelet and nothing else, right? Just the omelet, whatever, tomatoes, hash browns. 
I go there, and it was $21.72. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So then I I looked at the uh, at the bill. The omelet was like 18. It was a big omelet. And they tacked on gratuity. They tacked yeah. on 15% to my yeah, order that. F- for a carryout. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a carryout. And then I got home, okay, and I unpack it. And you know how when you go to these places that, you know, I got some challah with it? They gave me one, one slice of challah. And I call <laughs> them up, and I'm like, I don't want to give you 15 You know what I say? I say, holla if what, you hear me. What did you say when you called <laughs> I, them up? Well, they also, they gave me like these Texas fries instead <laughs> of uh, my hash browns. And these, these things were gross. They Come were like on, French man. fries. Do you eat those? French fries with like tomatoes and onions on it. And I'm like, so I called them up and I said, yeah, give me my extra piece of toast too. And they go, no, you only get one piece of toast now. I'm like, <sighs> That's crazy. I'm not going back there anymore. I'm not going to name the place, but uh, hold it. it's sticky. And I, I mean, that's stuck to the Campbell's soup, man. They charge yeah. you 15 the extra soup. percent, and they take away a piece of holla. Yes, that's the world we're in here now. Welcome, welcome to 2023. <laughs> That's what they do. For They'll you. take my holla. I'll tell you what. Let's go yeah. to uh, Warren Buffett. Let's go take a look at. He's adding he's some hollering. of his holla already. Look, I just want to say one thing about uh, this that Goldman call. Yeah, we got, we got to find out if that was a new uh, analyst. New that analyst came I over can take to a the look firm. And in in uh, oh, I'm sure it was because they initiated and yeah. guaranteed the old they guaranteed Goldman had Apple coverage before. Yes. So somebody would have left. They have to cancel all the coverage, and they and then all of a sudden you know you get a new analyst like okay I'll take it over at a, as a buy, and it's like oh my goodness Goldman initiates Apple as a buy. This is just the stupidity of you know how the street interprets you know ratings and stuff. But yeah, that's I know. just want. I just wow, we are to... choppy right now. Wow. Oh, choppy, I know. Choppy. I know. Oh boy, did we got some more bad news out there, folks? What's going on? I don't know. Oh, we just we just rallied seven handles, and then we just sold off the seven handles. This well, is called a chop fest. I I know there's a lot of people talking about. Uh, it looks like German authorities were searching a ship suspected for the Nord Stream pipeline explosion. Uh, I know Russia's really upset today. They're upset that uh, this is out there. It looks like it. It could have been a pro-Ukrainian group that may have been responsible for the explosions. Um, so I don't know if we're getting more updates on that headline. I know that headline came in also at like 713, uh, which caused a little bit of a shakeup in the markets. Uh, but we'll keep an eye out. If you guys see anything, let me know. I'll definitely also be watching the tape to see sure. if we get in ADP numbers. I mean, we haven't paid attention to ADP numbers in. Oh, we do no, have. That's what it is. ADP numbers. Yeah, two forty-two thousand payrolls up. Two hundred forty-two thousand ADP versus two hundred five thousand. I feel like payrolls. ADP and and farms like always We're are chopping around on that. Yeah, it's just disagreeing with each other. But all these data points somewhat haven't been inconsistent at best haven't they like we haven't really you know first we're looking three four weeks oh yeah inflation's got now it's looking oh it's ticking higher and then you're looking i mean this is jobs reports right it's a strong labor market at at best is it not aren't you just i'm just confused looking at all the different data points and they seem to care about every single one now you know go back to five years and care about any of them except the jobs now they care about every single every single data point it's like five times a week i feel like 
I'm like getting moved and the market's moving off of data points, which, you know, they didn't even care about before. So here's ADP moving the market. It is definitely oh. ADP that is the catalyst here right now because we started shopping around. We sold right off. I mean, off it on came in at 242 versus yep. 200,000. The same trend we've been seeing. Labor market is strong, team. This, this, this just, it just helps the 50 basis point talk. That's that's what this is doing, and that's why we're selling off here. Yeah. I mean, like, fifty dang, basis points is more, coming. He's got team. more ammo. Fifty basis points is coming, and and you know what's crazy is that I I had a friend that told me this way before even kind of we started getting like uh, I think it was Brainyard that was the first one to mention fifty basis points, but hey, it looks like it, team. It looks like we might be heading towards that fifty basis points. So what does that do? That just pushes the terminal rate a little bit higher, right? Um, now we'll have to wait to find out. CPI is going to be what it's all about, right? Next week, the 14th, we just need to keep an eye out on that report. If we can get a good report, maybe these, these odds can readjust themselves. But we'll have to wait till we get that. Bring it back to the markets here because Let's go to I Warren. hate talking all these economic data points. Let's go, Let's to, Warren. go to Warren. My buddy! Helping yeah. me out. Look at this. But he didn't Look do it when we were looking at it, right? I mean, he might need some help from the Joel Alconin levels because Warren Buffett coming in here bought over 5.8 million shares of Occidental Petroleum nice. between March 3rd and March 7th. So you guys can take a party. look at that I chart the there. Um, he jumped in this, and now this is pushing, of course, the current stake up to 22.2%. Uh -oh, what do you guys think? Wow. It's a nice pop here. I'm looking at it for an easy gap fill on this one. It's a nice pop. Uh, you got a gap fill at 62.41 with these worn, with a lot of times they're they're faded, right? And this is up a buck 82. Crude is down. So I don't think they're gonna run this one to 64 today. I, I'm kind of uh -huh. I'm kind of I mean, if it opens up, goes 63 bid, then yeah, you know, keep going, taking out the pre-market high, but Kind of a weak market. Crews got hit. I, you know, I know you're not selling yours, Dennis, but I. I well, to me, I had I, so I've been carrying extra though. So I have the core long-term position. Okay. And then every single night, I've been doing this every single night. I buy it at the ah. close. I've been doing it for basically two weeks. I buy Occidental at the close because I've been expecting a filing to eventually happen. I've been buying Occidental at the close. And then I hedge it with the XLE. This and guy. I've been having to get out of that <laughs> thing on the open basically every single day. Finally, last night, it takes off, and I finally get the filing there. So I did sell my extra shares into this. Okay. Still have the core position. But I've been trying to do that because I've been expecting. I've been talking about it. I think he's going to eventually file. Savage. I think he's going to eventually come. Finally, get paid for it. Finally, get paid for it. It's taken a lot, a lot longer than I thought. So I thought when it first got down to 58.59, he like thought about it for a long time. Like he didn't buy them day one, day two, day three, right on March the 3rd. He waited like eight days down there. So he was trying to pull the rug over her eyes. But um, yeah, so anyways, I still have the core position. Um, and I sold the extras. If it comes down, I'm going to buy it. I probably will buy more at the close here again tonight because I'm, I'm expecting that he may actually buy more. So I don't know if he's done buying here. So if it comes in now again, he's probably not going to buy on the day that, you know, it's up $2. But it pulls back down to those 60s again. He probably buys more. I think he's trying to buy the whole dang company just slowly here. How many? What's his percentage now? 22, 23, 24? 22.2. Uh, 22. Now, 22. one thing I would know. It was also, way better than taking it over and say, oh, take it over 85. Why not just slowly accumulate the whole dang company here, 58 to 60? 
So he's back. So I feel comfortable at that Warren floor here again, that 58 to 60 level. Stock gets back under there again, reload. You know, it's nice to have, you know, a huge fish that you know which side he's on and you know he's got the, you've got the Warren put there. I don't know when he stops buying, but man, sure nice to have him there. So one thing that we talked about that I think is important to note, just for those traders out there that might be newer to trading, right? Um, we talked about maybe a 48-hour rule, right? You could see it there. If he bought on the 3rd, he would have needed the report on the 7th at, at the close there. And that's exactly what we got last night. So it's the 48-hour rule, Dennis. I think we were right on that. Bring up the you- filing, Mitch. Bring it actually up so we can teach them. So go to the trusty Benzinga Pro here. Bring up the actual Let's filing so you can look under Berkshire. You right back to unchanged here, Dennis. You Whatever you want. Be yeah, wide. we're really chopping around. You, got, you better really be chopping. wide here. Really wide. Yeah. And look really at that. Chopping. We just went down and kissed the low from yesterday, 8250. Kiss the, lows, kiss the, kiss the highs. Yeah. Holy. Well, no, we didn't kiss the high of the day. No way. That, <laughs> the high of the it's day. It's a chop fest. Yeah. It's a battle here. We got the jobs number on Friday, too, right? So people are... Uh, are getting positioned here for that ADP, man. People are just jumping. These algos are jumping. So the filing was at 713 last night. In, mm-hmm. And if you go, if you want to see these filings, you got to go into your pro and you got to check SEC filings. And then you'll actually see them as they drop. So we can see, are you showing it, Mitch? Because yeah, yeah, I'm, I got on the screen too, I'm looking yep. on my own there screen. There you go. Okay, so March the 3rd, 59.84, March the 3rd, 60.95, March the 3rd, 61. And then a bunch on March the 6th as well. And some on March the 7th. So he dropped that really fast here. Um, today being March the 8th. Okay, so um, I'm just thinking about it out loud here and didn't do the full analysis here. Probably not going to buy any tonight because the stock just popped up. So we got to wait when it pulls back into the 60s. I think you reload. And you mm-hmm. go for another Warren pop off this. But again, sometimes it just takes off. Like, that's a problem. That's why I'm holding the core long position because people get excited. Oil starts to turn its back at 65, 67, and, you know, and the thing's gone. So I think, um, you know, I just, I'm just comfortable with the floor. That's why I'm comfortable to keep buying, not only buying in the long term account, but buying in the swing trading account, buying the overnight account, just being long at that level. Because I feel comfortable with Warren. Again, you always have, you know, risk, you know, something happens, you know, oil tanks. That's why I like hedging with the XLE. Yeah, I was because say, then, did I, you then I'm the taking XLE away that there? risk yep. that oil tanks overnight. Yep. And that's worked really well. That's worked really well. So, you know, if you take it overnight, you can get out and you scratch it while you've got a free look at Warren for the night. And, you know, eventually you get paid, it looks like here. And I got paid last night. All right, let's get out of Warren. We can go ahead and take a look here. Let's go to the Campbell Soup Report as they're reporting mm. Q2 EPS at 80 cents, beat the 74 cent estimate. Sales at 2.48 billion, beat the 2.44 billion estimate. Huh. What do you guys think about the soup? I think the- Campbell's soup is good food. So it's already popped up, though, as a problem, and it's 54, already starting to 50- give it back. Who, who eats Campbell's soup, though, for real? I eat it. I like it when I'm when I have stomach. When you have the stomach flu, you know, eating some good soup. Actually, my mom made me soup, which was really nice. But if she didn't make me soup from I'd the can, man. Soup. No, no, she went and actually cooked it. But I mean, I'm not capable <laughs> of that. So if my mom, you know, wasn't there, like, or, or wasn't able to make me soup, she brought it over. It was really nice of her. But I mean, I eat canned soup. I like Campbell's soup. It's pretty good. Yeah, but, Mitch, yeah. don't you have um? 
grilled cheese in uh, tomato rice soup. That Campbell's tomato soup is awesome. Oh yeah, tomato rice, and then um, <laughs> also, also um, chicken noodle soup. I know and you then, get your alphabets. And, and my kids used to love, and I used to say it all the time: uh, uh, double noodle, double noodle, no chicken. They have that too. But, double uh, noodle, no chicken. <laughs> but now, if you go no and order chicken. that at the store. <laughs> you ordered the double noodle, but it's really only like the single noodle now because they've cut back so much. <laughs> you know what? I uh, I was going to send you a picture too because uh, you, you know during my uh, pandemic shopping sprees, pre you know, um, I bought like all these. I bought just tons of Campbell's soup at Costco, and I bought um, this like twenty two twenty pound bags of rice. We are down to a little bit. Of the of the final bag of rice, Perry eats it a lot. It's good for wholesale, baby. I got. I'll show you the. I'll, I'll bring you, you down. Feed Perry we... more rice, and maybe Perry wouldn't be throwing up. She didn't throw up. He came out <laughs> oh, the other. Oh, was the other act? Yeah, unlike oh, your son Spencer. Uh, other Perry. end. Yeah, the other end. But it wasn't end, on the, the carpet. End. A little bit. Lisa got the part on the carpet, but not. not these the other guys, stuff. these guys, I got to get them back on track. Campbell's. <laughs> we're soup. talking about dog. Eh? Campbell's. <laughs> we were soup right team. off the rails today. We went from fed I tried, talk, team. I tried. I tried. To dog poop. How did that happen? Bring us I back know, here, man. please, money man. Don't forget the beans. Don't forget the beans, forget right? The beans. Um, That's where it started. <laughs> All right, let's. Look, did least... you see the pop to fifty four fifty, Dennis? You oh, did you it's see just chop fest? No, no, I'm talking about Campbell's soup. Went to oh, 54. No. Yeah, I saw it go up to fifty three. How high? Fifty four fifty. Yes. Come on. I swear to These God. I swear. Get so excited. Show me that on the chart. Oh, right here, fifty four fifty. Look how excited those news algos get. Right They're there. like, oh, it raises guidance. You know what the guidance raise is? Raises guidance. The adjust twenty three guidance. They raise from two ninety to three to 295 to three but the read raises guidance they, lo- they, they increase the lower end that's, a, that's the big guidance raise here that the algos got so excited about algos you can make money trading against some of these news algos i'll tell you oh or at least using it to exit a position oh yeah because look at this you had uh, i'm not the right chart here the high uh back in january was 54 59 i don't know if, what happened on that day they just sold the daylights out of it it didn't quite get there someone's out there right at 54 50 the nice half number so you didn't quite get to that high now you do a reset you're trading at 52 52 55 uh your next daily target on the upside would be 5319 that's for campbell's soup cpb all it's right, food, let's man. go to what, what you got, Dennis? No, I said it's good food. That's good food, good on, food. Pun on there, Campbell. Soup on. It's good food. I don't know. If they <laughs> let's go to CrowdStrike here. CrowdStrike yeah. Holdings. Yep. Q4 EPS, 47 cents beats the 43 cent estimate. Sales at 637.4 million beat 624.92 million estimate. CrowdStrike did see Q1 EPS over their estimate here. They put it to 51 cents on the high end. 43 cent estimate total revenue outlook also above their high uh their estimate there low end at 674.9 million versus a 664.69 million and also when you're looking at their fiscal year also good guidance so really good guidance here for CrowdStrike and I think we need to pay attention to this area Pan W's done good earnings now CrowdStrike doing good earnings I'll keep watch 
Um, again, cybersecurity has just got to pass, and I think it that does. continues because of the growth that's here, and we know the hackers are just everywhere. So cybersecurity <laughs> continues to be a huge growth industry here. The valuations have got to pass. Yes, there has been some disasters, and again, should Zscaler have ever traded to 350? Probably not. Should Palo Alto Networks, you know, well, Palo Alto's almost back it's up. back up there. Unbelievable. CrowdStrike. I think on the pullbacks here, you got to kind of just not look at the valuation and just buy them. 120-ish. Again, though, if it pulls back and, and reverses off an earnings, you never want that either. So nope. this is just kind of an out for me. I, I mean, it's come off the lows a long ways. We're at $92 when we started the year up to 130 So basically up 50% this year. I need a cool off period and maybe, you know, comes I'd back in a few weeks, the markets, they forget about this. These are the kind of gross stocks that I think you want. Those are cybersecurity stocks. The uh, This one, I know you're talking about support and, and buying it. This one, I, I don't know. I know I talked about it on uh, Pre-Market Prep Plus, and I know I talked about it uh, on the closing show. And I said, on a pop, there would be a potential gap fill here in this little ah. candle. This little candle. Now, you would have missed it. You would have had... Uh, what if you were looking for the exact gap fill? It was one thirty six twenty six, and someone else can look at a chart beside. Oh no, one thirty six twenty nine. It went to after hours, right there. All those people got their money back from the low of the day there, and now you're pulling back. I don't know. It it, it pulled back a little bit in February. I don't know if you're going to get – I think this is like one that's going to be sticky. I don't even know if you're going to get it at the uh, 120. I see a pair of lows in that area. But uh, we got to work our way back up to that pre-market high. See if we can do it. If market has a good day, you sure might be able to do it. But it's already – it's already – uh already pulled back and people are taking some profits. There are some ranges on the overall market here because we haven't talked it. And we're looking here. Obviously, we had the nice three-day rally, Thursday, Friday, Monday, and then Powell just pulled the rug out from the entire market here. What are your thoughts here? Technical analyst Joel Alcon, oh, get Mitch boy. too here, but give us your thoughts here. I still feel like we're range-bound, 390s, low 390s, buying stocks. Up 410. I don't know if you're going to get there, but now 405 selling stocks. What are your thoughts here on the spot? That will we, um, I wish we would have had another daily high up here, but uh, right now you just got to reach. I'm just going to bring it down to this, uh, 40, 80, 40, uh, 89, 89 and a quarter. I had orders out there for three days in a row to get done. I think I went at 89. I couldn't get done there because the high of the move was actually 82.50. So this is your new area here. This It's so important for the market to get through here and get back up to that 4,200. On the downside here, you you have an area that could hold today. Like you, the, 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 the bulls out there got some work to do because 39.74 was the actual Globex low on Friday. We got the 82.50 yesterday and 82 quarter in the day. So you know, you get the reset from last last Friday's rally. And if the bulls can, you know, hang in here and support it here, if not, maybe you'll mosey your way down to uh, 39 and a quarter, which it only gave you one shot down there. And that was during the regular session. So I'm, I'm hoping we hold in right here, you know, hold this 39.80 level and get back up and have more of a base of a rally, more of a stair-step stair rally. Uh, back up to that to that recent high. So that that's what I'm looking for. 
All right, let's sneak one more in before our guest. Let's go to Casey's General Stores Q3 adjusted EPS, $2.36, beat the $2 estimate. Sales of $3.3 billion, missed the $3.35 billion estimate. This has been one that has been on my radar. I don't, I've never been to a Casey's, but it hasn't done bad, uh, especially since kind of like 2022. Uh, it's been on a nice little pullback since kind of December time. Is this the time that we can look at a stock like this, I don't follow this company at all. Yeah, so I know of it. It's been ugly, ugly downtrend here for the last few weeks. Overall, it's really kind of just slower, lower beta stock. So, has anybody been to a Casey's? I was I've just never been I was in just, one of them. What so part of the country are they? About this. Yeah, it's, is this a West Coast thing? Because I've never even seen one of these stores. Technically, on the look. weekly, it looks like a really nice trend line that it's coming back to. But Casey's general stores. Okay. I don't follow it either, but uh, I tell you, Google's still pretty good. Better than that chat GPT because you jump in here and you can find information. Midwest, Illinois. Yes. So Midwest. Ooh, whoo, whoo. I've never been in one of these Casey's, but it sounds like it's a fun store to, to go to. You know so what, what, what? What is it? So Casey's, I'm just looking general I think stores. it's probably a glorified Cracker Barrel. Well. We're trying to figure that out. Chain of convenience stores. Casey's retail. Is that the same one? Casey's general stores. It's like convenience stores, it looks like, Joel. In the Midwest and Southern United States. So we're definitely not that. So that's why we haven't seen these. They look like convenience stores. Yeah, just it looked like grocery stores. Yeah, little convenience stores. Little they got convenience good pizza, stores. everybody says. Gas stations. Is what ga- gas station convenience stores. Huh. Learn something new all the I, time. I like. Uh, I mean, I don't know why someone would take this up to two, almost two twenty here. Seven eleven. Two nineteen twenty two. But I got a good level for you on the upside here, and we're not too far from it. You've had multiple highs at the two fourteen area. Uh, there, that's that's what the bulls need to do right here. We got three four highs. I'll just call. It, I'll just uh, round it off to two fourteen. You get a strong two fourteen bid here. Let's work our way up towards two twenty. But uh, that's kept the lid on it. Over the last seven sessions. So uh, I'll make that a three star. Keeping an eye on it just also because Kroger has gotten moving as a last couple of days. If you see it since uh, March 1st, it's up about 9%. Yeah, Kroger's um, so been moving. I like Kroger we'll on see pullbacks if those kind of moves too. And he's seen ACI do the opposite, so I don't know. Maybe they think. Yeah, that's the one that through. I wanted to ask you about, Dennis. Well, but even I'm still confused on ACI. Yeah, I don't have any position in ACI. It sat there for too long, and then it was my bad, really, because I was expecting the special dividend, but I didn't realize it already paid it. So um, when they announced that they were giving the special dividend, I was like, oh, it already got that. I've never seen that before. They declared it. actually went X, and then they were trying to stop the special dividend from happening there. But I just think like you've come down, and it looks like on ACI. And I, I still think ACI would be long, okay maybe longer term, but it looks to me like they're pricing in the fact that this – deal might not go through so then you start thinking about premium getting sucked out of it a little bit i mean it's already come down a lot so again you got to put the seven dollars back on it because of the special dividend so that would bring you back up to like 27 so if you could get back down well if you knock seven dollars out it brings you 14 so free deals so that's a little bit scary i like going with the kroger just better so pullback so not reps we've already ripped too far on the kroger so we get back to 44 Maybe interested. But. What about what about? Um, but then Sprout? again, if I'm buying a grocery store, why not just stay in cash? Five point two people, five point three right now. Like the rates are going high. We're going to six. They're going higher. Why do I want to own a grocery store? Why do I want to own a utility? 
why do I want to own Procter and Gamble or, you know, or like, you know, Johnson and Johnson's and stuff with a dividend going in? Oh, nice 4% dividend. Now I have 5.2 in cash. I get four over 4% in my IB account right now, which is sitting in cash. Just on the cash balance, it's like 4.1 or something. So, I mean, there's just not a lot of reasons to be in utility stocks. There's not a lot of reasons to be in consumer staples. There's not a lot of reasons to be in the grocery stores. The growth isn't there. The PEs are still pretty high. And they've always been higher because you got the yield component to it. And you get that in cash. So I think it competes the Tina trade, the lack of a Tina trade, I think, which meaning obviously there is alternatives now, um, is the reason why I don't want to own any stocks. All right, let's get let's get to the ANG sets here. Good morning, Angie. How you doing? Good, morning. good. how are you guys? We're doing good. Just I want you to know that I I, um, I talked to Angie the other day, and she she told me I was going to have enough food, you know, during the war and everything. So I make happy about that. But I'm planning on uh, some uh, on the road visits uh, to do the show, and she's I think I think the closest guest is in uh she's just outside lansing what's the name of that town you're in uh charlotte and i'm gonna take you to a casey's there's one about 20 miles south of here so right I will let them know angie that maybe what do you that's think of cases yeah uh well in iowa they're a staple like i lived in a small town in iowa that had about 900 people maybe and we had two casey's so like friday night taco pizza and a ghost show like that's how you do it in the midwest i don't know I don't know why. (laughs) Hey, we got to learn. We got to learn sometimes. Yeah. So, but I was cracking up in the backstage. I'm like, you guys haven't been to a Casey's? All right. Joel, when he comes out. Okay. Let's talk. They said they have good pizza, Angie. The pizza's good? Taco pizza is the only Casey's pizza. Putting it on the bucket list right now. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's. Put it on the bottom, though. It's really not something I would, like, kick. <laughs> Fly across the country to go to <laughs> the Casey's Taco Pizza. the Casey's pizza. Taco Pizza. Road trip, kids. We're going right? to Casey's yeah. Taco Dennis, pizza. when's the last time you've been out of Ontario? Uh, I haven't left Canada. I don't even know if my passport's good anymore. And obviously, I lived in Windsor, you know, across the border yeah. for, like, 15 years to work at Bright Trading in Detroit. So I literally crossed the border continuously. I haven't left Canada, I don't think, in three years here now. So it's been a while. <laughs> I'm like stuck in Canada. I can't get out of Canada. Like they stuck close the Canada, borders. Right? And that's it. Yeah, I get it. We're close. I mean, it's close enough. But yeah, I don't feel Angie, so you gotta help us out. You gotta help us out with inflation here. Okay. You gotta help us out with the inflation picture. Um, I run through these commodities and I get a mixed picture, right? Uh, wheat, boom. <laughs> Wheat's got yeah. cut in half since uh, we yeah. weren't going to have any wheat because of yeah. the war. And then yeah. I look at soybeans. They're hanging up near the highs of the move. Yeah. And then I I look at corn. Corn is, you know, it's come in a little bit off the highs. It's still higher yep. than it was back from the pandemic. I look at sugar. So I don't, you know, yeah. there's <laughs> no it it it's really mixed. Crude's come down a little bit. Natural gas has come down a little bit. We're wage, it just doesn't seem like this inflation is coming down. Give us your outlook uh from the softs and the grains. Well, you know, I think one of the things that you see in, in some of the softs, like I've had a couple of people ask about rough rice and sugar and some of these other things, like why are they so volatile? And those markets are really kind of set up to be your AMC and GameStop style markets, basically meaning that they're really not deep. Um, you know, you tend to have natural buyers and sellers in that market, producers and end users. And so when you get any sort of 
additional interest, you can really create some big moves. We saw it happen in cotton. Um, you know, last year we saw it, we've seen it happen in rice, sugar this time, you know, wheat there um, at the, the start of the invasion was absolutely primed to just rip um, higher because it, it's really not as deep a market as what you would anticipate. And so one of the things that you tend to see right now, it feels like the inflation story kind of moves um, from one commodity to the next, depending on what it's doing from an overall sort of price standpoint. If it gets too cheap, they're buying. If it gets too too expensive, they're selling. And, and basically that's what we're seeing, you know, kind of across the board. Um, Story-wise, what you've got going on in wheat is that, you know, Russia kind of, uh, I'm trying to think, borrowed without any intent of ever paying for it or giving it back a large amount of Ukrainian wheat. Um, and so they're able, when you get something for free, you sell it for a buck and it's a profit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so uh, within reason, obviously, but the, the Russian uh, wheat crop was massive. Their wheat exports are, are projected to be massive. I mean, you're looking at Jan Feb Russian wheat exports, double that of what we saw last year. Um, you know, and then they complain that uh, sanctions are hurting their farmers. But so you've got this significant flow of wheat into the market structure, like Russian wheat offers right now into the global market are $5 a bushel cheaper than what they were, um, you know, right after the invasion. So that's been the wheat story. You know, wheat's got a long way to go before we have another crop um, in the northern hemisphere. You know, Europe's been dry. The Black Sea's got to produce something. The U.S. has been dry. You know, this, that, and the other thing. So there's a lot of room here for wheat to kind of um, catch some folks flat-footed. Uh, but speculators don't tend to stay too long in a market that has carry in it. So that's part of the story behind wheat kind of falling off, too. Um do you want me to continue with soybeans? I feel like I just get on here and start on this monologue, but there's a lot that's going on that's so different. Yeah, well, why, why the strength in soybeans? Is it... Uh, well, we, uh, go ahead. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, uh, different products. Are people eating healthier and they're using the soybeans in a soybean meal? Is that is that it? Yeah, you've seen an increase in domestic demand through renewable diesel and biodiesel. But the big story right now in soybeans hinges on Argentina's crop loss. So Argentina's had probably the worst drought or one of the worst droughts they've experienced in quite some time. And so right now we're on a race to, the, to zero, I feel like, when it comes to Argentina crop estimates. And so the world is nowhere near close to running out of soybeans. We're not looking at any sort of situation similar to what we talked about last year in grains or anything of that nature, because Brazil's crop is going to be so much larger. It's going to offset, you know, any sort of loss in Argentina to keep us steady year over year. Um, but the fact that we're seeing a significant loss in, in crops being produced in a country that's responsible for um, the, the bulk of soybean exports. So they're one of the largest soybean meal exporters in the world, which is a, a product we use to feed animals specifically. Um, and so that's kind of been where you've seen the run up is in the soybean meal market. And so bean traders always say the meal rally is the real rally. Um, and so what tends to happen is if meals lasting higher than soybeans follow, and, and that's what we've seen. Meals traded up towards or, you know, $500 a ton, which is huge, a, a huge price historically. And so that's drug uh, beans along with it and kept them up there until we get a, a better feeling about what's going to take place in the, the global market structure. Nice. Now, one thing that I'm worried about, Angie's, I'm, I'm big on the barbecue season, but live cattle, man, it just keeps getting more expensive. I'm not going to be able to get my T-bone this year. 
Yeah. You're um, what do you think about this? It, are we going to continue seeing a, a rise in meat prices? Pretty likely. I mean, the problem that we're having in cattle there is that the high feed costs have really cut into, you know, heifer retainment. So you don't keep the mamas back if they cost a lot to feed and you're not getting as much for um, the calf that you're producing. And so for a while there, the margins for feeders were squeezed incredibly. You know, you had a lot of problems as we worked through COVID, just supply chain disruptions and problems with, um, you know, our ability to harvest the cattle that are coming through. And so as a result, now we've seen the smallest, or we basically are looking at the smallest cattle herd since 1962. So you're not going to run out of meat, uh, you know, by any means, but you're probably going to pay more for those select sort of cuts. Your T-bone, you probably want to make into a sirloin or something like that, um, you know, but you're going to see consistently high beef prices um, because the market's job is going to have to be to curb some of that demand in, at retail. Um, but as a good friend reminded me last week, like the bulk of beef demand in the U.S. is actually for fast food, you know, hamburgers, restaurant yeah. sort of um, consumption. And as we saw in COVID, that doesn't tend to get, um, it doesn't tend to get impacted near as much as, you know, your decision to have that T-bone or something like that. So it'll be interesting to watch and see if we actually do curb demand there, but you're probably going to see elevated prices for quite some time. And I think one thing that I saw as of late was in kind of January and February, we started getting a little bit of a spike in lumber. It's back down mm -hmm. now, but do you think that we could see another spike in lumber? I think the spike in lumber came mostly on the back of these pivot hopes, the idea that you're going to see interest rates start to backtrack. And we did see, you know, builder sentiment start to spike there at the start of the year and some of these other signs that, you know, maybe the Fed really wasn't going to do what they said they were going to do, or at least their um, approach to it wasn't necessarily going to reduce, um, you know, that sort of consumer demand there when it comes to building houses and, and just building things. Um, but, it, it, you know, now that we're, you know, we saw Powell yesterday kind of be like, no, this is going to keep going, which this is like the 27,000th time he said that. But now the market's starting to recognize it. And so if we see, a cons you know, a consistent increase in interest rates and in some of these things, like I, I saw where what the median household, you know, like your folks are paying $2,000 a month for a, a mortgage payment right now and, and some areas and things of that nature, you know, you have to see a, a, a slowdown in that growth. You've got to see a slowdown in that demand. And, you know, so I'm not a lumber trader by trade, but it is something I watch. And I think it, it was the canary in the coal mine with inflation in the first place. Um, and it tends to be kind of an indicator of trade psychology, um, finding that, that, you know, inflation trade as it pertains to commodities to a certain extent. Uh, I don't know if you caught, if do you, are you a Barron's reader at all? Read I will catch it. It's probably one of those things. I tend my love language is DMing myself uh, news articles I need to read later, so I read okay. whatever. Because you should. Uh, it's um, uh, the cover last week. Ooh, after look at the that. Thaw, a bright, yeah, a bright so that's shoot. a bad sign. That's <laughs> Yeah, a terrible oh, sign. Oh, I love it, Angie. Tell them, tell them. <laughs> it says growers are riding the biggest tech technology boom since the rise of mechanization. Uh, I, w I just want your comments on that. And I also want to talk to you about like the inputs, uh, the, you know, Scott's miracle grow. I mean, I just looked, this stock has finally had a nice rally. Is there, you know, if things are good on the farm, is it, you know, good to look at like, you know, mosaic or some of these fertilizer stocks? 
You can look at mosaic and fertilizer stocks. I mean, those tend to be relatively strong or steady, you know, really no matter what. Yeah, farmer sentiment is is more optimistic than folks think they'll spend some more money, but inputs are inputs. It's kind of, um, you know, one of those things where they're going to be purchased and, and you know, it's just a matter of how much margin um, mosaic or, or some of these other country or companies are able to kind of price in, um, you know, Technology wise, it's huge. I mean, I, I sat yesterday and listened to a gentleman discuss how, you know, the size of the the row, the hole, the trench in which you place a seed can influence corn yield on any given acre by three to five bushel. Like that's that's massive. That's a that's a, a big swing if you think about incorporating some of these trade, you know, these tech these sort of practices. Um, all around and, and things of that nature. So I would say the biggest thing that we're seeing is just kind of this continued growth in, um, you know, variable rate technology and, and making sure that we're utilizing imports better, inputs better. I mean, the, the American farmer, the global farmer really is working on producing more with less actively every day. And so that's where that technology comes into play. And, and it's huge. Um, you know, there's, there's just all kinds of different tools and resources being used, I think, to to hopefully help, um, you know, stabilize and grow our, our food production. And so it's kind of a cool, cool little industry to be in. Like Roland said in the chat, holy cow is right, my friends. Um, and Andy, <laughs> when, where could the chat learn a little bit more about what you do so they can keep up with your work? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Goddess of Grain, um, or you can go to our website at consusroi.com. Uh, I put out morning commentary every morning on grain markets, kind of some macro look, what you think is going to happen in the commodity structure in general. Um, so we do that. You can sign up there. You can find me on Substack too and, and sign up there as well, or just reach out. Um, I don't, I don't charge per minute. It's what I tell my farmer customers yet. Yeah, anyway, love it. Plus I can figure love out it. a nice like sort of business avenue that isn't weird. Well, check it out team. Appreciate you coming on. Like always, Angie, we'll, we'll bring you back on. Have a great Thanks day. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy it. Thanks. All right. And uh, thank you, Angie, for uh, educating us on the Casey's life, man. <laughs> yeah, I did not realize they had taco pizza, man. Like, it's more on the bucket list here now. Right? That sounds good, actually. Sounds, but, awesome. Uh, oh, sounds awesome. I all right. right let's now. take a look. Breakfast, um, you have MOS up, uh, Joel. And lately, I just recently traded NTR for a 6% winner. I'm looking for pullbacks on both of these. Um, they're both in the potash game. So, Taking a look at these, they were yeah. really strong on the daily. Now just looking for pullbacks. NTR. I could get talked in the NTR. Right. Canadian, good Canadian company too, Nutrien. Okay. It was a good 6% winner. Did you some Scotch Miracle Grow a while ago? Yeah, I sold it. Um, finally mm, sold it. It's finally SMG. come back. It's had a hell of a run, Joel. 45 all the way up I to know. $85. So, and I had the huge run, and again, I got nervous taking it, and I actually sold it before the earnings, and I wish I wouldn't have, but it had run up into the earnings, and I was like, and then it gapped up on the earnings, and then kept going higher. So, I don't know, Scott's Miracle Grow is a little bit different play, obviously, than, you know, the Nutrien and um, and the Mosaic. So, but yeah, no, just on the side note, Scott's Miracle Grow has had a pretty Man. good run here, too. It's basically doubled in the last it's basically doubled yeah, the year. Cool. $46 I, to 80, $80, up 80, 90%. These are big moves. 
Yeah, the monthlies are the monthlies chart is screaming at me here. Uh, you guys, I think that. SMG had a premium in there before with the whole pots thing. Yeah, I was thinking like, that too. That was a whole pot thing going on. SMG was a pot play, and that's why the 2020 went from 100 to 250, which had no <laughs> business being a 250. It's probably at 78. It's you know looking. It's gone nowhere for seven years. It's not a yeah. crazy valuation here. Just ran too far too fast. Back at 60, I like Scott's Miracle Grow, but I could get talked in the NTR right now. I mean, you're right in this range here, Mitch. I mean, 75 is huge support, kind of in the middle. I mean, I don't mind. All the that. rips by the dips, man. It, I'm learning man. from my man. Yesterday, I could get talked in the nutrient. What's the P on this puppy? Let's go look. Let's I, I go look. Trusty Benzinga low. Pro. Bring Let's it up here. It. It's a race here, Mitch. We're going to the details on the NTR. 5.6 and forward outlook at 8. Yeah, Not too bad. No, this is a cheap stock. <laughs> I, I could, Pretty cheap. Again, a little bit cyclical. So I like the monthly chart that. also. The monthly chart in the bottom right. I don't know if Joe can make comments. One thing you want to look at right now is the debt load too because debt is an issue for companies, not only individuals as well. You got $8 billion in debt here, which is a little bit of an issue because as interest rates climb, you're going to have to service that debt. So that can eventually be an issue. So you want to start looking, you know, and obviously some of these companies have to have debt to, to run. They just have huge operations that need debt. But keep that in mind. When you're analyzing things, you know, just from a P perspective, look at the debt right now, too. Um, it's got eight billion in debt, which is not insignificant at all. That's deep, so just yeah. just keep that in mind, too. But mm -hmm. this has been a good stock for a long time. I mean, NTR, if you go out to the monthlies, you can see, you know, obviously 1920. And then, you know, since 2020, it's been going straight up. We've pulled back. I don't mind the stock here. We'll see what happens on this one. And one thing to note on that Scott's Miracle Grow, I just wanted to note it. It seems like out of the last four years only once has it not had a positive january so that's the one thing to maybe just think about in the long term smg likes to run in january and i like to always look back to see some seasonality see if that's what's the reason why smg got the lift yeah this uh you got two monthly highs in the same area not exact same 8861 and then 8667 so that was definitely a let's just split those two call it like 87 and change uh so that looks like you're not going to get a major breakout till you get to there bad day yesterday uh with the market and uh wow that did a big old run man that even kept going in february too so strong strong february stock all right, let's go to Max N Solar Technology stock as they reported earnings today. Q4 EPS at a loss of a dollar eighty-four, missing the loss of a dollar twenty-seven estimate. Holy Sales pop. of three hundred and twenty-three point five million beat the three hundred and fifteen point seven million here. estimate. Um, and then Max N on Tuesday issued Q1 revenue guidance of three hundred and five million to three hundred and forty-five million. Uh, fiscal 23 guidance towards 1.55 billion versus a 1.57 billion estimate. Still like the solar sector altogether. I'm not buying any stock that's gapping up 23%. It's just not in my blood right now. It's not the kind of market to be buying gaps on. Again, some of them have follow through. SE had great follow through. We actually you know, were concerned that that one could continue to go just because it was so beat up. Um, so it's, it's, it doesn't work 100 percent of the time to fade these gas, but it doesn't seem to always work to chase them either. It's just not in me. I just, I'm, I'm even in bull markets, I have trouble buying a stock that's up 23 percent. And we're in a sideways to, you know, not really a bear market. We're in a sideways market right now. 
Um, I just can't bring myself to buy it. I'm not going to fade either, though, but you're gapping up at a major resistance. Gapping up big time. You just got a relentless <laughs> bid here. 148,000 shares have traded. Uh, I just have to look at this 23 area, and the market has some memory. So if I, man, this thing was down at uh, 16 bucks to end February, and now look at all these highs. Right here, you had a high uh, right at uh, 2307, then a pair of highs at like 2350. So, I mean, to me, that would be a, a, if I had a big old position, I was riding it into this, I'd be, I'd be putting offers out there right now. Your 15 minute chart says this thing is never going down again, but (laughs) you know, it's step up buyer from 2150. What's the, uh, what's the daily vibe? Is this a, uh, it's traded. Wow. It's traded 160,000 shares. It usually trades like around a half a million. So Someone might be really stuck on the short side here. As far as where buying this thing, I have absolutely no idea. I'd be a you chicken. You can't be thinking about buying yeah. it, in my opinion. I mean, it's just too, much, too, too hard to control the risk. It might, it might go, but it's just too hard to control the risk. Uh, f- full disclosure, I did take a little bit of Solar Edge Technologies yesterday on the pullback. Got that at 327.22. Going to look for that to ride Sorry, up. The relative the strength on this puppy is awesome. Pop. Which the one, relative Mitch? strength on this S-E-D-G. puppy is awesome. If you're like a fan of relative strength here at Solar Edge, um, it's just been an unbelievable. Even with the NPH, and the NPH is starting to come back around here now. But first, Solar and Solar Edge, these stocks are just monsters. And Solar Edge looks like it wants to go. I see what you're looking at here, Mitch. Mm-hmm. And if we were in a full bull market, I'd be loading up on this thing. We're in a sideways market, so the market may give it the struggle to go. Yeah. But I, but I with that with being that said, outlook. it looks like it wants to go. This chart, and I'm not a huge technician, but if this thing gets above 340, this one wants to go. Why yeah. is this tan such a... A slow relative dog. Because well, ENPH has... is the biggest component, I believe. Yeah, well, ENPH has okay, had a rough go. couple of months. So that's why TAN hasn't really went. I believe it's mostly the ENPH. 30%, so 30% is in First Solar, EMPH, and SEDG. So First Solar, we know, is wanting First to First Solar is first number solar one. Blast off. That's Isn't at ENPH 10%? the top component? No, First Solar is now. I don't, now I don't know if they grabbed more. It. But okay. I'm just, I, I recently went through it, Dennis. So I was looking okay. at it and that's why I looked at the fourth place one, which was run. I actually got stopped out on that one yesterday on a day trade. You know, see if that one. It's Chinese today, though, but... right? Sunrun, Chinese. Yeah, Sunrun. And then they, on that tan one, they have a bunch of these Chinese names in there also that I feel like holds it back, Joel. But they are holding it back. And, and we've been talking about this for a bit. I mean, China is just not wanting to rally as much as it was having a great December and a great January. All these Chinese stocks are out of favor here right now. I don't know. Maybe they come back into favor. Like the Bob is in Consolidation Station. So if you want yeah, to take a shot, you could. That, yeah. I just can't stomach the overnight risk. I just can't stomach, you know, the, the geopolitical risk here. I just can't stomach it myself. And that's why I'm not in these things. But they pulled back. And I mean, if you want exposure to China, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to chasing them in January where Bob was 120. Now you get it back at 88. I mean, I won't argue with you if you want that exposure. It's not for me because I can't stomach it. SPWR has been a dog. Big yeah. time, dog. We talked about that one yesterday, yeah. and I think eventually there could be a catch-up trade here. I would stop myself out at the lows of fourteen twenty-two, but again, you're a fan of relative strength here. 
this is not your stock. The Solar Edge looks a hell of a lot better than the Sun Power. But, you know, I like buying the dogs every once in a while trying to call turns. It's what I do. I'm a turn trader. I like turns. So I'm looking at this maybe, but I don't know. I haven't taken a position in this one yet. I'm kind of just keeping an eye on it. I kind of almost want to see, like, some life from it, Joel. Like, show me a reason. Like, you know, give me a you know, an analyst upgrade or something to kickstart it, it needs a catalyst to really turn it. And sometimes that's all these things need. And I mean, you know, don't, you know, and, and obviously analysts, you know, sometimes, you know, like Apple, you know, they can top tick something, but sometimes, you know, when a stock's really beat up, it just needs a vote of confidence, you know, and what that is, it, it all depends, you know, whether it's, you know, Warren Buffett on Oxy, for instance, but I mean, it needs a vote of confidence here. And it needs an analyst upgrade. That's what really needs to try to turn it around. Okay. All right. I'm going to hop off here. I'm just going to say that, uh, you know, the, the bulls got some work to do today. Uh, after after yesterday's shellacking and sure. uh, back down to where we were last week, you know, before the big rally, getting a, a big reset here, like Friday's Globex low right in this area. As of right now, you know, you, you just, uh, you took out yesterday's low by, uh, by one tick. So, I, you know, I don't know. We're not gonna. I don't think we're just gonna blast and get all that work back done in the four thousand handle. But I think it's just really important. You know, get a little update. Maybe, maybe get a close above four thousand, four thousand and five, and distance yourself from these lows a little bit. And then I think you have maybe a choppy market today and tomorrow. And then you know, you got the jobs number and all indications are that's gonna be hot. Another hot number and. Another case for the Fed to, to raise rates again. So interesting market today. Uh, I'm going to hop over and talk to Sahak Benwellian. He is the uh, managing mm. director of the securities, the trading floor over at Wedbush. You know, he has a good outlook on the market. So everyone have a good day. Triple D, I'll talk to you later on. See ya. All right. Uh, Joel's getting out of here. You guys can keep up with it. And I did want to mention in the chat, we did get a question a little bit earlier. So I just want to go ahead and address it here at towards the end of the show. So uh, we get the question, um, what happened to at the close? So what happened there is we have a new show, Start Swing Trading, that starts from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. And then the closing print can be found on Pre-Market Prep's YouTube channel. So if you don't have that, subscribe. Well, what are you waiting for? Right? There's like lots always. of shows to watch through uh, Benzinga, through the Benzinga channels and through pre-market prep. There's lots of different shows to watch. So if you want to find content, there's still lots of content out there. Yeah. And the closing print starts at 3.30 and that's on pre-market preps channel. So if you want to just go into YouTube, look at pre-market prep and you'll be able to go ahead and get on to that. That starts at 3.30 and Joel brings on a guest always. And then I just started more of a swing trading show because I feel like there's not a single one out in the market. If you guys can find one, please let me know because I've looked. There's not one out there. And so I think we're doing something that is- And you're doing uh, live trading on that show too? Yeah, yeah, I'm taking- I I love the live trading. I took yesterday, during the show, I took X, Steel. I took SEDG. Yeah. I took some Coke and I took ASO. ASO yeah. is up big already. That one was at 6070. The reason I went for ASO is that it was on a little bit of a pullback on the hourly while DKS was just ripping. It didn't turn around yesterday, uh, Dick Sporting Goods. No, so. they kept ripping that. They were buying and gapping and going yesterday. The ones that had good earnings like the SE. The mm-hmm. DKS. Oh, that SE. Let's look. Man, yesterday. I caught that pullback oh, I on my sheet from yesterday. I caught that pullback yesterday on SE, man, and I'm a little, uh, I'm a little mad. I sold it quickly. I, I got it at seventy three sixties on oh, that nice pullback, buy. right on the VWAP. 
right yeah. there. And then I sold it up top shares towards 77. Um, but this kept going. This went to 80. That was a big move yesterday for SE. We'll see what happens today on that one. Maybe we get a little bit of a pullback towards around like 76 today. Let's see if it keeps going through 80s. But that, a, a lot of these I'm going to be looking at. Uh, ASO was just like a, a little hourly pullback, sideways action. That's why I went after that one. We'll see what happens at the open. If I'm able to sell some profits and keep it running. One thing that I definitely have been working for me, um, and I have to just say it, a lot of that also uh, goes to not not that I'm following what Dennis is saying, but more along how he goes approaching the markets right now, right? Buy the rip, uh, sell the rips, buy the dips. Right now, the selling the rips has really been working for me. Yeah. Because if I didn't sell the rip, like let's say in X, a perfect yeah. example, X last week, I had a 6% gainer on this from 2887 up there mm -hmm. towards the 31, right? Well, look where it's at now. It's right back there. If I held the position, I would have zero. Yeah. That you're in this environment here where you got to take the profits when you got them. And yeah, I've done yeah. this again and again. And I have the long-term account. And I'm like, man, I should just trade my long-term account more often because it's like you get up and something, oh, it's going well. And then you look at it a month later and you're like, it came all the way back down. I gave that back. I mean, here's one that I've had for a long time, OGN. I threw it in the long-term portfolio. I'm like, I'm not going to trade this one. Bought in the long-term portfolio at 2450 back, I don't know, like six months ago, a long time ago. It's got a low PE, healthcare stock. The thing runs to $32. I'm literally up 30% on this position. Look at it now, Mitch. Came all the way back down. I'm like, this is just the case against long-term investing right now. Yeah. Because I wanted to sell it, but I stopped myself from doing it. I was like, got to stop trading your longer-term stuff because you need to hold on. You're trying to build wealth in that long-term account. And I look at it and it came all the way back down and it just ticks you right off. So, I mean, trading, my day trading, I've talked about this before, is so much more consistent than my long-term investing. And again, yes, I've had some great long-term investments, MasterCard. I made 2,000% on that. You know, you don't do, do that day trading. But I mean, in this choppy environment, if you think we're going sideways or even trending down for the next little while, you got to be taking the gains while you have them. I don't think we're in this environment like 2020 where we're just, oh, I sold for a 10% gain. Why did I do that? Because it went up 30%. I just don't think we're in that environment. I don't think it's coming anytime soon. So you've got to take the gains while you have them. And, yep. and Spinner, completely agree. Pfizer, I bought some Pfizer GSK. Those yeah, have been complete been... dogs. Healthcare has gone completely out of favor here. Yeah. So again, I, I've always said the jury is still out on how I do as a long-term investor. I think I do okay. I make money. I can see the account growing. Um, I know I'm a fantastic short-term trader. I'm very good at calling turns. I'm very good at feeling the market. Uh, but from a long-term investing standpoint, I struggle with it to a certain extent because I have the trader in me and I do sometimes trade my long-term account too much. So then I try not to look at it. And some cases it works. And in other cases like OGN, I just can't get that out of my head that I was up 30% in this. Now it's all the way back down. And here I was buying that for a long term, trying not to look at it. But, you know, you sure wish you would have, you know, taken the game. They can reload it. So it's tough. I mean, it's as a trader, it's always a balancing act here. And if obviously you have a day job and you're doing long term dollar cost averaging in the markets, you hope 25 years from now the markets are higher and you're doing well. And you probably will. But, you know, on this show, on your shows, Mitch, it's our job to try to trade, to try to find yeah. opportunities to extract alpha from the market. We're not dollar cost averaging. We're trying to find good, good, you know, good ideas for trading. 
And I mean, I struggle with the two. The long-term investing is a crapshoot to a certain extent. The day trading is much more consistent. And don't and, yeah. and a lot of people will tell you the opposite. I, I just don't see it that way. I've seen my day trading be much, much more consistent than my long-term investing. Yeah, one thing that I would say about that, Dennis, is that I, I would say for the long-term investors that have done really great, it's probably because they're decent on their timing. Timing is so important for long-term investing because if you get your timing wrong, next thing you know, what are you? Well, a lot of like these people out there right now just holding bags, right? And holding bags might sound interesting for certain people, but I'll tell you what, that really destroys the capital because then you're just in a losing position, not gaining value on that position. And then also time is working against you, right? Yeah. And so that that's where it gets a little bit difficult there. I know Joel has a, a really... We've heard from him, right? Some of those positions. Joel those are holds really great. very well too. Like he yeah. holds. He's Warren Buffett more. He's holding stuff like he's truly like a long-term investor. The true diamond really hands. Holding a long <laughs> two true diamond hands, and I yeah. mean some of them have worked out fantastically for him. Other ones not so much. I mean even think when GME was going up, he was like you know to to sell that was so struggle. He buys and he holds. He's a buy and holder, Joel, and obviously he does the technicals very well. But he's got the more Warren Buffett approach to the market, which is okay as well. And I'm not going to say that isn't a good approach. I'm saying I probably struggle with it because I'm a trader. If I was, you know, just a construction worker, if I was doing a different job, I don't think I would struggle as much holding a long-term portfolio as I do. But I'm looking at my long-term portfolio and I see levels and I'm like, okay, well, this is a logical place to get out. And then I get out. And the problem is I get out. And Kramer says this before, I get out and I, it comes down a little bit, but I don't get back in. And that's, that's where, what happens and that's to where me. I, miss. I agree with you, Dennis. And that's where I miss. Hey, one thing that I always talk about is what? Learn strengths and weaknesses. That's what it's all about. That's why we do this show, right? You guys learn all the time from Dennis's strengths. He shares them with you. That's what I think is very important. Find out about traders. Find out their strengths. Find out their weakness. See if you can apply some of their strengths into your trading. And of course, learn from their weakness. Because you guys can go ahead and benefit from that. We'll take you guys over now to live trading. Dennis, chop you go do what today. you do, Holy man. Holy chop fest. The chop. The chop out there. Trade the team. chop, Money Mitch. Trade the chop. Go get them, buddy. Hey, you know it, my friend. It's been working, right? Sell the rips. Buy the dips. We'll see today if they go buying the dip. Will we clear back up above the 400 on the SPY? And, of course, you guys heard me mention some trades. You want to come and check out how those are going? Well, we do got start swing trading today. I'll have Scott Brown from Beat the Bench. He'll be joining me at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. 3 p.m. starts the show, start swing trading. And, of course, don't forget, closing print still exists. Joel O'Connor does have a show. It's just on Pre-Market Prep's channel. You guys can check that out. Give him a follow. That starts at 3.30 Eastern. Whichever show you want to go ahead and check out, by all means, what we want to do is always just give you an ability to have that content out there. That's why Joel's continued with the closing print, and that's why I started Start Swing Trading. Like always, you guys choose who you guys go watch. I won't feel bad if you guys watch Joel, just like I don't think Joel will feel bad if you guys go ahead and watch me. We'll see you guys now over on Live Trading. Zunaid's back. Ryan's back. I had a great day yesterday. Was able to bounce back in a good little Sox S, Sox L type of trade, right? Was bouncing back and forth between them. And I think it's very important right now to try to take the gains that you can get and run out of this market. We'll find out how my swing trades do today. And like always, you guys can catch up on the book club. 
You guys want to up your candlestick knowledge. We're going to go in through Japanese candlestick charting technique book. Of course, if you guys want to check that out, that's part of the book club. And definitely go ahead and sign up. Now I'll bring you guys over to some live trading action. Let's get to it, team.